welcome back to the Director Vibe Podcast. I'm your host and Director of Vibes, Leslie Schultz. I want to start this episode with a confession that I did not receive my first passport stamp, let alone even have a passport, until I was 31 years old. <laughs> That's right, it took me 31 long years to start seeing this beautiful world, and I'm so grateful that I finally took the leap, got bit by the travel bug, and... Now it's going to be a long while until I'll be able to continue those adventures internationally. So I thought to myself, self, let's not dwell on this reality. Oh no, let's celebrate all the ways that traveling has expanded my mind, opened my heart, and helped me direct my vibes in new ways that I could never imagine in just a short little pocket of time. The same goes for you, my friend. If you're able to travel safely right now, or simply want to just relive past adventures along with me, I hope this series of episodes provides you with a new lens to see each of your experiences with. For the past few years, I've been working hard to create a life that I don't need a vacation from. In building a creative life, I've discovered that it allows for travel and adventures to become this source of expansion, a powerful tool to learn from that can show us more about our life than we ever imagined possible, instead of simply being an excuse to check out. All of that comes from creating your own happiness, tapping into an inner well of peace, maintaining our energetic address when life hits us with challenges, also known as directing your vibe. So that's why we're here today. And before I tell you about my first international trip where I traveled all across the country of Nicaragua and back with pretty much no plan at all, I'm gonna take a little stroll down memory lane to help you get to know me a little bit better. You see, when I was a little girl, one of my favorite things in the whole world was running into the forest on my own. I grew up in South Lake Tahoe, and the thrill of the adventure of going outside paired with my desire to just run without any plan of where I was actually going, it was thrilling, and it made me feel so full of life, so happy, and just lit up. I remember those moments so fondly, like all the joy and wonder that they brought to my life, yet somehow along the way... I replaced that desire for adventure and freedom and play with the need to be busy. It's almost as if I subconsciously traded in spontaneity for the need to be in control of my life and where it was going at all times. Somewhere between childhood wonder and adulting, I took on this belief that in order to be worthy of love and success, my life needed to be planned out just so, which meant staying busy, stacking on accomplishments on accomplishments. You get it. And so that's what I did. I graduated high school a year and a half early at just 16 years old, started my first university courses no more than a few months later. From there, I set goal after goal and worked as hard as possible to make it all happen. It wasn't until very recently that I started to wake up from this hamster wheel of life I had jumped into. And it's not my fault. I mean, society tells us that we're supposed to live like this. We're supposed to chase down goals, hustle for our dreams, and you know, embrace the mantra that the struggle is real. And as you may know, if you've listened to previous episodes, I've been working really hard to shed my old never not working persona over these last few years. It wasn't until I took this first international trip that I really stepped back into the vibe of spontaneity, freedom from the need to control how life flowed, and I finally reminded myself how crucial it is for life to be playful and joyous and just fun. So back in October of 2019, before the world turned upside down, I finally got that first stamp on my brand new hot off the presses passport, and in the process, this event planner learned how to truly surrender and just allow life to flow 
you know, like without an actual plan. (laughs) So buckle up, my friend. This is an exciting ride, and I'm so excited to share it with you. I landed in Nicaragua around 1 a.m. with two travel pals, and our only plan for the entire 11 days of our trip was to pick up a rental truck, figure out where my boyfriend had settled into for the night, who arrived ahead of us, and then make our way across the country because we wanted to check out the Corn Islands. It was a very loose plan and nothing like I've ever done before in traveling. So as I filled out my first customs form ever, I handed over to the customs officer in Nicaragua around 1 a.m. without an address for where I was staying. My Spanish is, well, it's terrible, and I struggled to understand why she was so upset with my form and also struggled to figure out what the coordinates my boyfriend had sent us actually meant. You can't just write coordinates on a customs form. So between this lack of information and the language barrier, I was off to a pretty rough start, but we made it through, we figured it out, made our way to get the rental truck, and accidentally double insured it, but either way, we were off, driving through Managua, Nicaragua in the middle of the night, headed to an unknown location to catch a few hours of sleep before the real adventures began. When we arrived at these coordinates that my boyfriend had sent to us, I noticed two ladies of the night strolling over from the corner. One of them had their tits completely out and they're heading towards the truck that we'd just parked. They probably thought we were there for a good time and I began to get a little bit worried about who else may be lurking in the dark behind them that I couldn't see. My friend Katie asks me to hop out and go see if we're at the right place if my boyfriend's inside this hotel because none of our phones work or have international plans. All I could do was stare at her in disbelief like, you want me by myself, little blonde American girl, to get out of this truck in the middle of the night, don't you see these two women walking towards us? Like, their boobs are out. They're staring straight at me. I don't know who else is around. I start kind of panicking and declare, you two are coming with me. So as a group, the three of us strolled into the morgue, what my boyfriend affectionately described as rustic. <laughs> Far from reality. Once inside the front door, we're greeted by a barefoot host who, of course, was sleeping. So it was like 2 or 3 in the morning at this point. We shouted for Steven and he walked out to greet us, takes us through this dark hallway with towels thrown carelessly all over the place because they're collecting water that's leaking from the roof everywhere. This was definitely a room rented by the hour and that was clear as soon as we walked in. And even though both Katie and I were horrified, we held our energetic address, we remained positive, and we even had a little bit of fun watching some TV in Spanish while the guys went to go try to find a safe place to park the truck. This was the first time I started to feel some resistance in our lack of planning for the trip. Like My mind starts to spiral that I should have planned better, I should have had a place set up for us, I should have, should, should, should. I had agreed to being spontaneous, but now I was feeling a little concerned. I felt the resistance, and honestly I just kind of ignored it, let it go. I'm not really sure at this point, but the guys returned from parking the truck and immediately told us to grab our things. We were leaving. It was like 4 a.m. We didn't even question this. We just grabbed our stuff and happily said goodbye to the Morgat and the ladies of the night out front. Our men had found a nice hotel just around the corner while they were trying to park the truck and they surprised us with a serious upgrade to which we both expressed a lot of gratitude and appreciation. So we're already in for a lot of surprises and adventure. That was only the first night. 
I just kind of wanted to lay the groundwork of how this whole trip went over the next 11 days without any concrete plans, without booking a place to stay more than 24 hours in advance. We drove across the country of Nicaragua twice. Along the way, we had an interesting run-in with the Federales, which I'll tell you more about that later. We swam in what was once an active volcano while it rained, and then later that same night, we saw lava inside an active volcano. A double volcano day, so cool. We went on a few unexpected ponga rides, survived an eight and a half hour ride on a cargo ship through a massive thunderstorm in the Caribbean Sea. The full story on that is coming later. We also enjoyed five full days at a luxury resort on Little Corn Island. I caught half a dozen fish my first time handline fishing, enjoyed an unforgettable bed and breakfast experience in the paradise of San Juan del Sur with the best host of all time. We explored the beautiful city of Granada, made countless memories, an unforgettable trip, and all of this happened because I found the courage to say yes to the adventure. I surrendered my need to plan, I let go of my desire to control the situation, and I simply allowed life to unfold. My friend, when adventure knocks, you answer with a big hell yes, even if it leads you to your first ever panic attack on a cargo ship in the middle of the Caribbean Sea during a full-blown thunderstorm. Still, you say hell yes to the adventure. So shortly after our adventure at the Morgat and the double volcano day, we left Managua at 4 a.m. to drive across the country and make our way towards the Corn Islands. Again, this was really our only plan of this whole trip was that we wanted to get to the Corn Islands. We didn't really know how we were going to do this, but we, night before, figured out a loose plan. Before we hopped in the car, we purchased plane tickets for a 20-minute flight from Bluefields to Bighorn Islands and booked an Airbnb in the Bighorn Islands for the night. As we set off for island life, our spirits were high and we had stacked this travel day with a four or five hour buffer, you know, for any hiccups that might happen when driving across a foreign country. And there certainly were a few hiccups. So as I mentioned earlier, we were stopped along the way by the Federales. Between the large assault rifles that they carried and the 15 minutes that they had all of our passports in their possession, I started to feel that resistance come up again. What was I doing here? What is going to happen? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I took a few deep breaths and reminded myself that I'm supported. Everything's going to be okay. Took a few more deep breaths. <laughs> and shortly after, the Federalized returned all of our passports, laughed at us Californians for thinking we could drive to Bluefields from where we currently were. And once again, with a language barrier in effect, we didn't really understand the joke just yet, and we continued on down the road. This seemed like as good a time as any to drink the leftover wine we brought along, and soon afterwards, we realized that Google Maps had completely misled us, or rather, redirected us to the most epic adventure of all time. But we didn't know that quite yet. <laughs> we took a few circles through this tiny little village in Rama, and before we hit the river, you know, Google Maps made it appear as though there was this bridge that was going to 
go across the Rio Escondido, a river that easily spanned like, I don't know, 100 feet or so. There was no bridge. Definitely no bridge. We considered launching the truck across to the other side. I mean, it's double insured after all, right? But instead, we opted for a two-hour ponga ride up the river to get to Bluefields. We still had that four-hour buffer, so we figured we'd be just fine. We parked that double-insured truck in front of a bar, grabbed our bags, prayed for the best, and bought four seats on a ponga to Bluefields. Two hours later, we hadn't even started moving towards this ponga. Turns out Nicaragua moves completely on its own timeline, and FYI, if you do this adventure in the future, pongas do not leave until every seat has been filled. So we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And one of the things I loved about traveling with this group was the high energy we maintained no matter what. Through all the trials, changes, the uncertainty we encountered, the energy each of us embodied remained strong, positive, and hopeful. And we supported each other as a team. So when someone was like overheating or just feeling frustrated, the others stepped up to lift that energy of the group back up. And it provide some water or whatever that person needed. It was incredible. And it's what I think every group of people need for traveling and frankly for life. So discovering that bridge did not exist and waiting hours for this ponga ride was a challenge. It was frustrating, but we didn't lose our cool and become like those travelers. You know, the ones I'm talking about, those who make their own ignorance, the inconvenience of others. For example, as I'm recording this podcast, we've just wrapped a month long road trip that I shared in the previous episode. Along the way, we're stopped in road construction somewhere in Montana. The guy behind us gets out of his truck, walks up to the pilot car stopped in front of us, and you can tell just by the way he's walking. Like, he's enraged that 10 minutes has passed without any movement because he has a plane to catch, and he let everybody know. Back in Nicaragua, we had a plane to catch as well. The difference was we didn't make that anyone else's problem. Instead, we became resourceful and opted to buy the remaining seats on the ponga to get things moving. But we did this with compassion and respect, never once making our ignorance anyone's inconvenience. We remained embodied in the energy we wanted to put out there, and it allowed us to manifest some incredible things. And I bet good money that that man in Montana, he manifested missing his flight because he was having a shit day. Because that's what he focused on, and that was the energy he embodied. Like, you could just see it in his body language, let alone the explosive words that he shared with the driver of the pilot car. Anyways, once we finally got moving in the Ponga, oh my goodness, it was the most beautiful ride of my life. Two hours down the Rio Escondido through the legit jungle. I'd never seen anything like this before, and there were horses and birds and just so much beauty to take in. Another two hours later, we finally arrived at Bluefield. We'd used up our entire window of extra time and then some, and we arrived at the dock at the exact same time as our flight was set to leave for the Corn Islands. And we had no idea where the airport was. We definitely weren't going to make that flight. But it was all good. As we walked off the boat, we were approached instantly by a man who shared that a cargo ship was about to depart. It happened to be the last boat heading to the Corn Islands all week long, and he asked if we wanted to jump on board. Our answer was a unanimous hell yes. He led us through a few dark alleys and onto a really nice ferry boat where I thought to myself, oh my, this isn't bad, we could do this. There's all these benches, plenty of space to make a six hour boat ride just fine. We hopped over the railing of that boat onto our boat, which was a stark contrast. 
Our, our ship was a cargo ship, and it was simply toting supplies and local passengers to the Corn Islands, and now had four additional Americans on board. <laughs> the seating options ranged from slabs of plywood to cardboard on top of said plywood. Thankfully, I didn't learn this fun fact until we were safely off the boat, but that voyage we were on was only its second voyage since deemed seaworthy once again. Its engine was not firing on all cylinders, and there were multiple holes patched up with fiberglass. <laughs> Had I known this ahead of time, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad I didn't know. The ignorance was bliss. I went for it. This boat ride was only supposed to take about six hours, and I figured, well, we're here for the adventure, right? Let's release the need to control it. Let's just go with what the universe has unfolded for us. We headed straight into a gnarly thunderstorm with like six to eight foot swells from the Caribbean splashing up over the rails the entire time. And this boat ride instead of six hours lasted about eight and a half hours. Eight and a half long hours. Everything was fine at first. We were all snuggled up on some cardboard trying to sleep through the trip. And somewhere around the sixth hour or so, I woke up to see a very large, very drunk man attempting to climb into a hammock that's like swinging rapidly back and forth. Remember, there's six to eight foot swells, so the boat is all over the place, and there's a hammock hanging, and now this man wants to get in said hammock. And this hammock happens to be hanging directly above my head. And if it weren't for my boyfriend's swift action, I would have received a kick straight to the head. <laughs> I woke up to this man's ass in my face as he climbs in this hammock and Stephen holding his foot up less than an inch from my face. So a little bit of a rude awakening. We immediately moved to the other side of the boat and join our friends in a little cuddle puddle on what the only dry piece of cardboard really in the area. This was another moment though that I found such a deep appreciation for the group I was traveling with because we all found a lot of joy and laughter in a less than ideal moment. We were all just rolling with the punches and making the most of it. Shortly after, everyone falls asleep. I just couldn't really get comfortable. I remember every part of my body just feeling sore and achy from lying on plywood for seven hours. So I sat up leaning on my backpack and was watching the sky light up with the lightning as the boat continues to get thrashed on those eight foot swells. This is when it started to take a turn for the worse for me. I started to feel that resistance come back up for our lack of planning. I was feeling my anxiety levels rising for where this lack of plan had landed us. We're on a cargo ship in the middle of the Caribbean, in the middle of a thunderstorm, and I started to wonder if this boat was even going where we're being told it's going. Again, the language barrier, maybe we missed something. Maybe we're being led astray. My mind started to spiral into all these negative thoughts. All I could do to pull myself out of it was focus on my breath. So I started doing deep, slow breaths over and over, followed by more lightning and more waves thrashing. I tried as best I could to focus on my breath, and before I knew it, my deep breaths soon turned into sharp breaths where I felt like I, I couldn't breathe. There was this tightness in my chest, and I was having my first panic attack, and I didn't know it. I was terrified. I was mortified. I felt so completely out of control, and I remember noticing that one of my friends had woken up right as this like feeling set on, and instead of sharing with him what I was going through, I hid my face, and I, I hid my tears, and I suffered in silence. He went back to sleep, and I started just 
bawling my eyes out and screaming so loud at the top of my lungs for a sign that we were going to be okay. The engine, again, not firing on all cylinders, was extra loud, and I knew that no one could hear me screaming. But I kind of found just like some solace in shouting out my fears and and all of this. Seconds later, a random woman next to me sits up, looks me right in the eyes, and says, we're almost to the Corn Islands. We've made it. I just burst into the happiest tears, and all of that panic subsided immediately. It was like this woman's message was no coincidence. I fully believe that the universe delivered that message through her to calm me and to bring me the peace that I was praying and basically screaming for. It wasn't until we officially docked that I shared my experience I just had with my boyfriend and my friends. And this feels important to share because I think it's really fucked up how we shame mental health, anxiety, and frankly, I even felt embarrassed about having a panic attack, which made me suffer through it alone. And it made it so much worse instead of reaching out for help. And if you've ever experienced a panic attack or any sort of mental health issue, I want you to know first and foremost that you are not alone and that it is safe for you to reach out for help. That being said, I took a lot of time to think about why that panic attack really set on. I believe it was the buildup of all the resistance I had to allow life to flow, both on this trip and in my day-to-day life. All the resistance I had to simply surrender, trust, and let things unfold without this need to control them. It was really scary to do, but once I actually did it, everything worked out so magically. And this is true in a million different examples of my life, but for this time being, after I really like, after that panic attack, I I really just, okay, like this is the worst thing that could happen. I got through it. What else? I'm ready. And honestly, we were rewarded for that with five incredible nights at this luxury five-star resort that had only had beachfront cabanas available. What are the odds? This place, Yamaya Resort on Little Corn Island, is a dream. We were treated like kings and queens as we basked in the Caribbean sun. We had this whole resort to ourselves, and it's a wonderful example of how life rewards us when we surrender, trust, and let things unfold as they're meant to. We showed up to this resort with no reservations. We actually only ended up here because their boat pulled up next to the pongo we arrived on from Bighorn Island, and we just went for it. So I hope that in sharing my adventures and opening up about the panic attack I had in the middle of the Caribbean and unraveling all the lessons each experience taught me, I hope that through that you'll be able to look at your life through a new lens, a lens that opens your heart, your mind, and your soul to unlimited possibilities. Ultimately, I hope this episode and this entire mini-series allows for our past and future travels to become a source of expansion, a powerful tool to learn from that can show us more about our life than we ever imagined possible instead of simply being an excuse to check out. I want us all to bring that magic into our day-to-day lives so we can create a life that we don't need to escape from. And all of that comes from creating our own happiness tapping into our inner well of peace, maintaining our energetic address when life hits us with challenges, also known as directing your vibe. 
Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I have loved sharing every bit of my Nicaragua adventure with you. Please share this episode with a friend, take a screenshot and tag me on Insta and stay tuned for the next episode where I share my experience of learning to slow down and create space in Puerto Rico. Until then, keep your vibes high and we'll talk soon. Bye.